What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? This is part two of a two-part episode on email deliverability and getting into the primary tab in Gmail. If you haven't yet, start with last week's episode where we covered two crucial classification factors according to Google, the content in your email and how users interact with your emails. Um, Today, we're going to talk about um, two other factors that are kind of agnostic to Gmail. They they apply to all the email clients, um, but here's today's main takeaway. Most email marketers understand that email domain and IP reputation play a critical role in your ability to land in the inbox, but most email marketers will admit that they are easily spooked by all the accompanying fancy authentication acronyms, SPF, DCAM, DMARC. They just mean allowing Gmail and other email clients to verify you as the legit sender. We'll break those down and many more email deliverability tips right now. Let's do it, JT. Yeah, I think this like the technical aspects of of email marketing so important to cover. You might have encountered this when you've set up your first like automation system, like you're with a HubSpot or a Marketo, and going over this stuff. Um, uh, you know, something I've encountered quite a bit in a consulting career is is having these more technical conversations. Um, so I think we can unpack this and help demystify some of this. This I love the word spooked. I, I'm imagining some eerie ghost, you know, of your past. Like, hey, I thought. I got away from all this technical, you know, jiggery pokery, uh, but alas, SPF, DKIM, DMARC, they are here to uh, uh, change your day. <laughs> yeah, as as someone who like was in charge of email very early in their careers, like I, I was one of those early marketers who was easily spooked by by those acronyms. Like I, I remember my first gig in marketing and needing to answer questions like why are we landing in the promos tab and why are open rates slightly decreasing how can we increase open rates so why are we seeing an increase in like spam reports right like there's there's so many complexities to answering email deliverability questions and as an early marketer in your career like just understanding the basics of um you know sending reputation and authentication as well as like cool tactics that you can do in your automation tool um to improve deliverability are things that like I wish I understood um, like five years ago and so um, let's let's unpack some of those things today Uh, like sending reputation is the first one I want to start with like we Mm -hmm. we know for sure that like factors that influence the spam folder are also factors in the inbox versus the promos tab and um, that's who the email is from like Google says that this is one of the main factors in their classification as well as their their spam filter who is the email from there's an IP behind the sender, right? Like when you're getting an email, you're getting an email from a sender and that sender is sending that email from a specific IP. But there's a domain behind that IP. And we'll talk about like the authentication of pointing that sending IP to your domain IP. But like there's a reputation score assigned to both of those. So like I call those like the the two main types of email reputation that can affect your sending. The first one is IP rep. That's like 
usually associated to the email sending platform. So if you're sending your email yourself, like from Gmail, like that's Gmail's default uh, IP. But if you're using something like MailChimp or Marketo or HubSpot, um, these email sending platforms give you an IP, right? Like a lot of these have a dedicated sending IP and your role as a marketer is to make sure that your email sending IP address is correlated with your domain IP. This is a way that like, any email clients is able to see who is really sending that email. And so both of those like uh, reputation scores make up and are calculated separately. But um, so it's like, a, so just, just to unpack this, cause this is again, uh, I said this in the last episode, email marketing, I'm, I'm not quite the same uh, degree of expert in terms of uh, what we're talking about as you are. So like IP reputation, that's like your, your, you know, your Marketo, your HubSpot, your MailChimp, whatever, that's those, their servers, right? They're, they're servers based wherever they are. You send email from them to the addresses of other folks, but your domain uh, is actually like the things that you control, right? Like you, if you've ever set up a website, you have like your DNS and other things that you can control and configure, you know, uh, that, that's the right way to think about that, Phil? Yeah, close. Like the, the IP reputation, like you're send, your email sending platform is sending emails out from a specific IP. And in some cases, depending how you have this set up, like it might just be a generic sending IP. Like mm -hmm. we're using uh, MailChimp for fun for, for sending out uh, episode notifications for the podcast. And mm -hmm. we're not doing any fancy authentication there. So we're sending uh, those emails out from the default IP that MailChimp MailChimp is giving us, but MailChimp is still like assigning specific IPs to different people. So like not everyone using MailChimp is, uh, is sending emails with the same IP, like massive email sending platforms will use different ones. Mm -hmm. Like when, when we were using customer IO at close, customer IO had a dedicated sending IP for us. Yeah. Like no one else in the world was sending emails from that IP. Like it was reserved for us. So if you were looking at our sending reputation, it was the IP. Uh, the dedicated IP that we we're sending emails out from customer IO, but that IP was um, like associated to our domain as well. So like gotcha. the yeah. two of them are kind of important factors. Yeah. And sometimes I know that you can have a, be on a shared IP with, with other, you know, yeah. customers of a common platform. And I have actually seen this where all of a sudden your deliverability tanks and <laughs> you're like, wait, why am I getting like an absurd amount of uh, rejections and, um, undeliverable uh, status updates in my email, and then you realize, oh, we're on a shared. You were on a shared server where somebody is has been a jerk and sent it off. So you might end up actually having this rotate a bit too. Yeah, those are those are horror stories for sure. I definitely recommend uh, dedicated sending IPs when when you get to a stage where you're using a platform and you're spending a bunch of money in there like that. That should be one of the default features uh, for sure. But like there's there's many things that come into play uh, when it comes to like factors that influence your your sender reputation, whether it's IP or domain. Um, and you can find a bunch of articles on this like Mailgun has a really good one as well as uh, rejoiner.com. I'll I'll link both of those articles in, in the show notes. Um, but Mailgun basically claims that like things like domain age, like how mm -hmm. long your company has been around is a huge factor in your domain reputation. Um, how the domain identifies across the web with other identities. So like, are you in entertainment industry? Are you in advertising? Are you in finance? Like those have an impact on your domain reputation as well. And so like, like you can find a bunch of articles that like have hypothesis that like open 
open rate plays in like spam traps hard bounce like click rate yeah. there's a bunch of of things that that come into play with your your sender reputation oh i've seen this i've definitely seen this before like do you do a, you run an audit of uh, email addresses in, in somebody's database and you run it through like a litmus and then you find, oh, that's a spam trap. And so something interesting that I've learned over, over my career is that as like what happens to a company's all the email addresses when a company goes under for instance like what happens to those email addresses well sometimes companies come along and buy all those email addresses at like a, a small price and then if they're in your automation system or your database and you keep hitting them with with uh, email they will say oh wait a minute this is actually spam. So there's actually, interestingly, just as a segue, I know curating and managing your database and making sure that you're, you know, pruning people who aren't opening emails, you know, not just keep on spamming people with, with email, like email that doesn't get opened. It's actually super important and a big factor in, in making sure that uh, you don't get, you know, marked as a spam sender. Super important. Google is quite clear about the importance of this. Like when when messages from your domain are reported as spam, future messages that come from your domain are more likely to be delivered in the spam folder. And over time, many spam reports will lower your domain's reputation. So if you're with a company that you know has um, decent um, domain reputation, or you're trying to like figure out what that reputation or that sending score is, if you've been sending heavy promo and spam offers through email with like a lot of noise to hundreds and thousands of people for x amount of years like you're bound to have have a mountain of recipients that have marked you as spam and so just because a subscriber is new it doesn't mean that you know they have a fresh start with your email domain a lot of senders actually have a ton of baggage from from previous sends yeah and you gotta pay you gotta pay a, a long price to get out of this uh yeah. this naughtyville and yeah it's tough yeah, so let's let's cover some of the so Gmail actually like lists um, three big things as um, you know best practices for sending emails to to Gmail users and um, a lot of these these things aren't overly helpful like aside from the obvious like don't impersonate another company or don't test phishing scams with your domain. Um, here's kind of three things that um, I want to unpack a little bit. So the first one that Google wants you to do is authentication. Um, this like what we'll talk about SPF and DKIM and a but basically allowing Gmail to verify the sender by setting up reverse DNS. This is basically just fancy way of saying um, you're pointing your email sending IP address to your company domain. So regardless of what ESP you're using, regardless of what email you're sending, uh, what IP you're sending emails out from, all of those sending IPs should be mapped to your domain. Um, and, and that's how like Google does all that authentication. And and this is a setting that in most email clients, like if you're using a, an automation platform, you'll be able to get these IPs, send them to your tech team. They'll be able to upload that and manage that for you. Yeah, yeah, very straightforward to do for sure. We'll, we'll cover some of the, the protocols there. But number two um, that Google dives into is they actually recommend that um, businesses have a small number of sending IPs. So we talked about this a little bit, like if, whether you're using an ESP, like you have multiple areas, of, like you can send emails from more than one IP. Like a company could have dedicated IPs for their blog 
a dedicated IP for, um, you know, customers and upsell promos. And that's what actually Google recommends that you should stick to as little sending IPs as possible. Um, so just sticking to one sending IP is ideal. But if they, if you are going to use more than one, um, Google recommends that you use a different IP for different types of messages. So like I just said, like, uh, one IP for your blog and subscribers, and maybe one IP for product updates and customers. And then maybe you have like a separate one for your upsell or your promotional heavy emails that are probably more likely to be, to be flagged as spam. Mm -hmm. yeah. I often hear email marketers say that. And like, if, if you are getting stuck in the promos tab, like just starting fresh with a new sending IP, um, is like a great strategy. But the problem there is we kind of uncovered this already is short-term benefit. Like your sending IP is still related to your main domain. And if you have baggage with that domain, the new IP is just temporarily going to give you a little lift. And, um, yeah, once, once you're authenticated to, to the same source with all that baggage, like you'll go back to the same results. Yeah. So your choice is set, fire up a new, new IP and don't associate your name with your domain name with that. And then, <laughs> and then Google's like, well, like you're, you're an asshole <laughs> or you do it and you, and you just keep on doing the same thing. Like you, you've got to fix bad marketing practices. I think, uh, I think that if you're, if you're coming up with this solution to your, to your email, email marketing woes, you've got bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the third one is, so instead of like sending emails from a bunch of different sending IPs, Google recommends that you stick to just one sending IP or as little as possible. And along the same lines, they encourage that you use different from senders. Mm -hmm. So different email addresses as kind of like um, different types of content that you're, you're putting in the emails. So, uh, you know, your purchase confirmation, new customer onboarding flows could be sent from like john at company.com and never include like subscriber promotional content and your promotional emails that are going out to like your top of funnel leads are sent from someone else like Phil at your company.com. And so sticking to like as little sending IPs as possible, but switching up your sender based on the type of email that you're sending um, are some of the best practices that Google recommends. Interesting. So you're sending, yeah. So so just to reiterate, like you send certain types of emails, like you pick somebody on your team who sends these types of emails on a consistent basis. Yeah. So like your, your promo emails are, um, you know, the ones that are more likely to be flagged as spam, like you send them from your sales team. Uh, and then like the emails that are coming at the top of the funnel from your newsletter, like send them from someone on your marketing team. And so if someone is like replying to your newsletter, opening with it and engaging with it, and then they like, um, aren't interacting with any of like your promo emails, like Gmail is sending or getting signals that like you like the marketing newsletter. And so like you're, you're not negatively impacting like the newsletter as much um, by like not opening the spam one. So that's just like how Gmail kind of diversifies that a little bit. But in, like companies will go with a strategy of like having multiple IPs, but Google like recommends like stick to one IP, just have different from senders and like that from um, box. Yeah, I feel like anytime you're trying to be sneaky, uh, Google Google's figuring this stuff out. And, <laughs> and one of the things that I always come back to and on the SEO side of things is like, what is Google's motivation here, right? Um, why are they putting all this technology in place to prevent you from being spammed or have nefarious marketing material in your inbox or on your on your web searches? And yeah, I mean, Google's a, a, a revenue generating business and they generate through advertising. And the only way they do it through advertising is if you go 
to their tools and they use their your their tools uh, on a regular basis so the it's kind of it's kind of funny but like google in a lot of ways does have like the end users best interests at heart and and are trying to programmatically weed out uh, all the bad all the bad marketing seeds from the mix and any you know they're getting smarter and smarter over over time um uh, to be able to to sense this, like the machine learning algorithms with natural language processing, they can read your emails and tell that you're you're chock full of HTML and CSS and promotional. Uh, it's going to end badly. Absolutely. Um, along the same lines, like the the main thing that Google is is trying to do, like is prevent email spoofing, like mm. spammers from sending emails that appear to be from your domain and and imperson impersonating you. Uh, there's there's three main ways uh, of authenticating uh, through email right now that um, you know Gmail recommends, but uh, these are kind of agnostic to to email clients. And um, this is kind of our main takeaway here. Like uh, I think a lot of authentication protocols scare a lot of email marketers and they immediately like um like gloss their eyes at these acronyms and they send that documentation to their it team and i will say that like the it and, and the engineering folks on your team will be the ones like setting up these protocols and like helping you with this but as an email marketer, like understanding um, like why these are important and how to set them up are super important. And I wish that like I, I had some of this like foundational knowledge um, like five years ago when I was like an early email marketer thrusted with like um, all these like deliverability questions. Yeah, yeah, these are scary. These are the big scary terms, I guess, in in a lot of people's careers. And I've encountered them uh, a few uh, more than a few times. I think. You know, SPF, DKIM, DMARC, these are like the three main uh, like authentication methods uh, here. And I think by default, most people end up setting up SPF and DKIM. It's just something that is is by default. But DMARC is, is always that addition. It seems to be that additional step. Um, what's important here is that these are super agnostic across all platforms. Like it, it works with Gmail, like these, all the ESPs have like a standard that they follow in terms of having these authentication methods. So if you're doing these things, uh, you are going to have, uh, you know, way more authority getting into the inbox. And I'll add this is if you're not sure if you have all this set up, what I would do is run a litmus audit on one of your emails. You'll be able to instantly tell if these things are set up or not. And anecdotally, I can say that customers or clients that I've worked with in the past who who have their DMARC set up always have a higher uh, deliverability rate, like percentage, like multiple percentage points higher from like you know 94, 95% right up to like 99% deliverability, because the DMARC is such a, a widely rec recognized and reputable uh, standard. Very cool. Yeah, Litmus is a great tool for getting data on like your email clients as well as your your IP and your domain reputation. Uh, another tool that I'll mention is uh, Google's Postmaster tools. Um, I've I've used them more than Litmus in in the past. Like they they give you detailed info about your your IP and your domain reputation, and um, you know it's got a cool dashboard with like your your spam rate, um, and and you can kind of see the trends of your your IP reputation over time. Uh, but yeah. You, you kind of covered the the main three there. Uh, I think there there's there's value in like quickly unpacking like without going into the weeds like what SPF is versus DKIM and and DMARC. Um, and stop me stop me if I'm going too much into the weeds here. But uh, I found this stuff super fascinating. So um, 
SBF is Sender Policy Framework, and it's basically um, also known as the pointer record. And every SBF basically has a single text file that specifies servers and domains that are allowed to send on your behalf. So basically, like SBF is an authentication message uh, method where you are able to upload a simple text file to your domain provider setting. So you would do this with your IT team on your site. And this text file just basically has a list of IPs and domains that are allowed to send email on your behalf. So if you're using an ESP like Marketo or whatever, Marketo would give you a dedicated sending IP that you would add to your SPF text file so that Gmail and all the other email clients are able to get emails from that IP and they know that IP is related to your company domain. Boom. Okay, I think that's pretty straightforward. So just to just to summarize, make sure I'm on the right right track here. Your your SPF is like, hey, uh, I send email from Marketo or Mailchimp. Um, here's their IPs that I need to configure to my domain to make sure that that it looks like this is correct. Like, hey, I I would expect that Marketo would send an email on my behalf because I'm hitting the send button in Marketo. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Similarly, DKIM like is another authentication message, and you you can like use just SPF or DKIM like they they don't have to be used together or independently. Um, but DKIM is more about signing, and um, they basically give you. Uh, the ability to take ownership of an email. So like the the SPF was just like a text file that tells you like who has the permission to send on your behalf. DKIM is like a digital signature that is added to all of your emails. And um, it's basically like it, it comes, the signature comes with a pair of cryptographic keys. And it's a super fancy way of basically saying that um, a matching public key is set up with your DNS record. And every time you send an email, the header of your email has this like secret key and email servers that receive your message are able to assign the public key with your private key and they're able to see like who is the sender of that message and the verification here is that um, they know you haven't modified the message so let me break that down again so dkim basically uses cryptographic keys there's two keys you have a private key and a public key your private key is the secret signature that's added to all your emails, and you have a matching public key that's added to your website. So your IT team does that with you. And so when email servers get your message, they're able to assign both keys together, and they know that like you're the authenticated sender of the message and it wasn't changed. Gotcha, gotcha. So this is like a secret handshake between your your servers and and the ESP saying like, yeah, like SPF is kind of like the mailman. Like we've authorized the mailman to go deliver the mail, and uh, the DKIM is like saying, oh, this is the postage, and I can tell that your signature is on here. So I'm gonna accept the email after it's been received too. Sick. I love that. Love that analogy. Uh, all right, let's finish with DMARC here. Um, so this is also super simple to do with your your domain, uh, your IT team, right? Like DMARC is as simple as publishing that record to your domain. And it's DMARC isn't like an independent authentication method. Like I, I want to start off by saying that it's used in combination with SPF and or DKIM, um, but it should be set up after you've done SPF and DKIM. And 
DMARC specifically helps you prevent spoofing or messages that appear to come from your company, but it's not. So like it, it checks whether the from header matches the sending domain in your SPF and your DKIM. So once you start sending emails after you've set up DMARC, you can start to access like a bunch of cool um, email server reports that um, allow you to flag like authentication issues and malicious activity. But yeah, like once you've set up those two um, or one of the two authentication pr protocols, like SPF or DKIM, DMARC is just like a, an extra step that uh, allows you to uh, improve deliverability. But um, yeah, it's just a way for um, Gmail clients to be able to check whether the person that is sending this email, like the from header, this email address matches with the sending domain that they are able to see in your SPF or your DKIM record. Yeah, and with DMARC, like you actually have the other two SPF and DKIM uh, are passive. Once they're set up, they work and they're they're good to go. But DMARC is actually a proactive thing where you'll have to check in and see what's happening here, right? Like, <laughs> are people are you getting reports that somebody might be using your domain maliciously and and being able to check that? So it's kind of like just to continue the analogy, like SPF is the mailman. We authenticated the mailman can deliver mail to you. DKIM is like the postage or the signature on the, that piece of email or mail. And then DMARC is like, hey, when something shows up in in my tab and it's marked from you if it's not marked from you the mailman will actually bring it back to you so that you can determine was this an error do you need to add another ip to your spfd cam enhance your policy that kind of thing exactly i was gonna say this is like super super technical um and it feels very technical for email marketers because i think a lot of email marketers come into this writing subject lines and promotional uh material but I think this is super important also to say, like your IT team is is needed for all three of these steps and and talking with them about what this means, uh, super, super important. Like often teams will set up DMARC and never really think about it again. Like it's what, what'll come back in those server logs is not really super interesting to you as an email marketer concerned about getting into the primary tab, but is a huge factor in getting in. I've seen it over and over in my career where you know, having all three of these policies set up on your on your domain, super good idea. Uh, it will absolutely boost your deliverability rates. Totally. Um, yeah, I think that's that's enough uh, on authentication and uh, in, in domain reputation. I will finish off by saying that Google says that like here here's a tip to keep in mind: spam filtering is based on thousands of signals, and IP reputation is just one of them. Google says spam filtering is based on thousands of signals. So when you're like obsessing about this one little thing in your email, keep in mind that there's like thousands of other things that uh, Google uses to decide whether you pass gate one or gate two. Yeah, and I, I feel like maybe maybe one of the overall takeaways that I keep coming back to, I'm feeling spicy today, I don't know why. Um, but like, don't be, don't be a jerk. Like if you're not a jerk in your email marketing, um, you you will be you will be successful, and this goes in in general marketing tactics as well. But I think there's another layer that we we unpacked in this episode, which is the technical aspects. Like sometimes you can not be a jerk, and you still end up in the promotion folders. And I think that's for probably where the most of us go. But there's other things that you can do, like 
we've got to keep in mind we're on the internet we're, we're working on the internet which is all based in machines and codes and servers and stuff like that so you, you can talk to people very nicely but if you're not showing the signals on the technical side on the back end that you're actually a legitimate company like you have to be able to do a bit of both which i think is probably the crux of the thesis of this whole podcast uh, uh overall but i think it's really important to remember like you can good send good content, but if you're not, you know, taking care of your reputation on the technical side of things, um, you know, it won't it won't work as well. Totally, I love it. All right, um, let's let's try to wrap this up. The last thing I wanted to chat about here was um, like other things that you can do in your email sending platform to improve deliverability. So we we just spent a ton of time talking about authentication and, and domain reputation, but um, you know we we've chatted about this at the top of the episode and other episodes as well. I don't think we need to like harp on too many of these things, but like keeping an engaged list of subscribers, like only sending to people that have double opted in that I've confirmed confirmed and like be super upfront about what you're going to send people when they sign up on the form. Um, I love having like um, auto suppressing and like disengaged um, automation flows that just like listen for people that sign up for a list and like haven't opened an email or haven't clicked in an email in a while. You just like auto suppress those folks or remove them from your list. Uh, keep your list super clean and uh, also like love having like data hygiene programs that look for like invalid emails or fake emails, catch all emails, emails that like, you know, are, are just like affecting your, your deliverability rates. And there's probably like a full episode we can do on like, um, being consistent about like your sending volumes and like if you're setting up a new dedicated sending IP, like you need to warm that up before you start like like hitting all your users with that. Um, yeah, what what tips do you have for uh, increasing deliverability by uh, changing stuff up in your ESP JT? Yeah, I, I yeah, it's interesting. I think of GDPR, Castle, the California Privacy Act. If these didn't scare the pants off of you uh, as an email marketer, uh, nothing will. Uh, uh, you've got to maintain your your reputation. There's nothing wrong with deleting people. There's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with having people unsubscribe from your emails. Like, don't be a jerk on on this front. Like, if people don't want to hear from you, don't don't ruin your reputation on this. The IP warming is an interesting one. A little bit more of a, a nuanced discussion for people who have larger databases, for instance. Is it's it probably doesn't affect most people if you're under, you know, you're not sending hundreds of thousands of emails in a, in a blast. But I've definitely seen this where you want to warm up your your IP. It's, it's it sounds funny to say it that way, but like having you know sending a, a batching out these emails actually makes a big deal, right? If you send a million emails all at once, uh, uh, you know, ESPs start to pick up on that and get a little bit spooked. Totally. There you go, folks. You heard it here. Companies should not focus on getting out of the promos tab and instead should focus on providing valuable content that your subscribers are going to enjoy reading and engaging with. How can you do that? Um, we covered a bunch of ways to do in that and, you know, IP as reputation as well as domain reputation are big factors in getting into the inbox and understanding the three main authentication message uh, methods and being able to talk um, responsibly with your IT team about them and finally send to engage subscribers only keep your lists super clean and uh we'll catch you guys very soon